Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 395. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. I'm Lorraine, a.k.a. that woman. (laughs) That woman. Lorraine. Yeah, co-host, that woman. But we have a new co-host. Introduce yourself, sir. Hello, everyone. My name is James Monroe Iglehart, a.k.a. The Nerd. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's our student, our student audience. The student <laughs> audience. So it's a studio of students, students uh-huh. in yep. the audience. Who and are also werewolves. Yes. Yes, yes I like yeah, that. Yeah, nailed That's it. Really you cool. got it. That's yeah. cool. That's, cool. <laughs> That's like what that. happens here at Marvel HQ. Uh, so normally we would start the show off with the big news, and that to me is our biggest news. Wow. Is you know I've been doing the show for almost eight years. And uh, recently, Lorraine came on as, as semi-regular, more than regular co-host, which is great. I'm irregular. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all know. We're all aware. Uh, and James, you and I have been talking about trying to yes. have you on as well, because we've been friends for a couple of years. Yes, very true. And you were recently a guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I've been trying to figure out how we do this, and it's all happening. Dude, I, I, I'm I'm so honored to be here. I am so glad to be here, and wonderful to see you as well. This is awesome. And uh, thank you for just letting me be a part of it, man. Yeah. I'm just going to put you on the spot, because I think a lot of people are going to say, I know you. Where do I know this gentleman from? Why don't you tell everyone where they should know you from? Cool. Uh, you'll probably know me for a couple of things. If, you, uh, if you're a Broadway fan, you'll definitely know me uh, from Disney's Aladdin on Broadway. I, w- I was the genie. You originated but the role. I originated the role on Broadway. Yes. I originated the role on Broadway. And um, I don't like to brag, but I did win a Tony for Best Featured Actor for uh, that role. Uh, also, uh, right now, I play uh, Lafayette, um, Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson in the crazy uh, little, little known show called Hamilton on Broadway and for you uh, for you some of you parents out there you might know me as Lance Strongbow in uh, Rapunzel's Tangled Adventures on the Disney Channel so and you're not busy at all no no not at all <laughs> yeah we had a meeting last week and you were like okay so I'm gonna be doing this 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 and this and if this works out, I'm gonna be doing this also yeah I'll be on the show yeah definitely because I mean it, it's you first of all it's you Ryan and second of all it's it's Marvel and this week in Marvel I love the show and to get to be on is nothing but you know short of amazing so, uh, yeah. you also forgot to mention you are a comic book writer I oh yes oh wow I guess that, that one always kind of uh, trips me out that I got that's, to do that. That's the I, good geek cred. Yes, that's the geek cred. Uh, Marvel Comics presents number three. I got to write a Spider-Man comic called Heart of Spider, and I am so, so, so proud of that. Yeah, and you um, got a, a story in Marvel Comics 1000. Yes, I do. Yes. Uh, Lorraine, you've written multiple Marvel books. You are a that's walking true. encyclopedia. That, uh, I try. Yeah. Yeah, I got some books in there. I will be following Lorraine for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> we are. I, I, yes, yes. We are all are, are following... I, and also, you guys listen to Ryan every week, so you know that he's a fount of knowledge already. I do a couple of things. Your your yeah. mustache is full of secrets. We know it. It's, it's fine. true. I am literally here just to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Which is and to be the commentary, the voice of the fans go, "What? Who? What? I?" Which is the best part of of the show for me is I learn something. You know, as whether I'm putting the show together or I'm talking to someone from the show or Lorraine and I are just goofing. Like there was something we were talking about a week or two ago and you blew my mind about it. I don't know what it was. Oh, it was the Mantis storyline from the 70s. Yeah. The yeah. Celestial, Celestial Madonna Because stories. I know it in passing, but I was like, oh, I'm not reading that. I, I never read it because <laughs> 70s Avengers has always been a, like a blind spot for me. It's also like the weirdest Avengers yeah. of all by yeah. far. Everybody's dying and being alive and marrying each other. It's weird. Ooh. Yeah. Tell me more. Yes, I mean, this sounds fun. It's the dynasty of the Avengers ages. <laughs> yes, dynasty. Thank you for that reference. I love that. Uh, so for, for long-time listeners, 
you know, this just means good stuff. Yes. For new listeners who are coming in, uh, whether it's because of Lorraine, it's because of James, it's just because you happened upon the show, welcome. Uh, we want this show to be something that you tune in for every week, and we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff going forward. Most definitely. We On the show, we talk. Uh, we try to have a big subject that we talk about every week. We have an interview. This year, we're talking about some history stuff, so let's just... Roll on into the full show. Sounds like a plan. Our big talk this week is going to be about Jean Grey as the Phoenix. And I specifically want to make that point. It's Jean Grey as Phoenix, not just the Phoenix, not just Dark Phoenix. There's so much to talk about for Jean as Phoenix. So I went a little wild with prep for this episode. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I know the two of you... You wait, wait, well, we, well, we, me and my brothers at Freestyle Love Supreme, we call it a deep dive where you just have a, um, you have a wonderful um, topic and you just go as deep as you possibly could. And man, you went deep. <laughs> had to. <laughs> I had to. We have to. Like we're, we're Marvel, right? We're official. So yes. I always, I want to make sure we are authoritative and we are excited and we are giving the best possible information. I'm really glad you actually prefaced it that way because I was like. The first thing I was like, Uncanny X-Men number one, where's my my first appearance of Jean Grey? And then I was like, oh, this isn't about Jean. This is about the Phoenix. But Jean Phoenix. Jean as Jean Phoenix. Phoenix. It's, yeah, Genix. Yeah, Genix. Very well done. Uh, That's a, someone's going to get a tattoo of that. <laughs> done. My, my new clothing brand. <laughs> uh, I'm wearing Genix. Uh, so that'll be our big talk. Uh, we also have an interview that I conducted with Chance Perdomo. The, uh, he plays cousin Ambrose on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix, and he was great. And uh, there's a video of that that you guys can watch. But uh, we got to get into things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news. Yeah, let's talk about it. Marvel Entertainment and NetEase, China's leading internet technology company, announced their strategic partnership at NetEase Games' annual product launch today. The two companies will collaborate to create original entertainment content based on internationally beloved Marvel stories, joint products including games, television series, and comic books featuring Marvel characters, which will be developed for users in China and beyond. Yeah, so... This is just sort of explaining that, hey, we have a big partnership with one of the other biggest companies in the world, and you'll start to see the fruits of that in the future. China, I hear a lot of people live there. Like five. Or seven. Billion. Oh, oh, oh again, sorry. we're not good at math, James. No, no, we're not. That is not my forte. My dad would actually be so mad at me for saying that because he's an accountant, and we bonded over math. So, Dad, if you listen to this, I'm just kidding. Love math, big fan. And he's like, I'm not listening to this. Ha, 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 ha. My mom is a musician. So uh, pretty much it stays between five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Maybe a 16th note here, maybe an 8th note here. And I'm not saying musicians don't count. We just don't have a lot of numbers. I, I would like to point out for the record that whatever the timestamp is on that was the first moment that perturbed producer Persia put her head in her hands <laughs> in response to something James said. It Thank happened you. very quickly. Good. Oh, we're doing it right. Yeah. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna count how many times that happens. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to something I'm hyped about, which is the X-Men Seminal Moments short documentary series that we are producing and releasing. Uh, they started rolling out this week. Uh, friends of the show, Harry Go, John Cirilli, very much Harry Go, uh, producing these. They're phenomenal. They're really, really cool and talking about the way we look at the most important, these quote unquote seminal moments in X-Men history. You know, we're, we're looking at House of X and Powers of 10 coming up really soon as being the newest one. 
but we have giant size X-Men, we have X-Men number one, we have Age of Apocalypse, and we have new X-Men. And these, you know, eras, we have creators talking about them. So it's talking about how these have affected the people who are making our stories as much as us uh, and those who are reading our stories. And yeah, I think, you know, for me, the most important is new X-Men, like personally, which I think... You know, everybody has a different opinion. I don't know if it's giant size with the introduction of that team, which I think, you know, for me is probably. I don't know. I, I start thinking about these and like X-Men number three is one of those game changing, life changing comics for me. And that that ties in X-Men number one. So why? Uh, because I read that. I bought that off a of spinner rack when I was 10 years old, along with Infinity Gauntlet number six. And those like I just remember those and getting those. And then, like, those opening up worlds to me meant so much. That's so nice. <laughs> I like comic books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it is interesting because comic books are, like, the best sanctioned fan fiction that exists. Yes. You know, everyone, unless you create that character, is following a lineage that's been set up for them. And that's why I think so many people do such great work is because that those things really impacted their lives. Um like it did for all of us. Why? Why you guys are listening to this right now? Even and there's a, there's a history to it. There's a moment where you see one character do something, and that lineage stays with that character for the rest of their life. It's really kind of special. Yeah. So you guys can watch these docs on Marvel.com, on Marvel's YouTube, on Marvel social pages. Uh, let us know what you think of them. I, I'm I'm curious to hear what everybody has to say. We have a quick correction from last week because. Chad Wavell from Marvel Strike Force is actually senior product marketing manager, but on a telephone call where we were planning out the episode, he was introduced to me as creative director. So he was like, oh, I got a promotion when he tweeted out the episode. I was like, yeah, man, I'm just giving them out left and right. Everybody gets a bump. Ooh, ooh, what am I? What am I? Senior. Make me a queen. Senior authoritative queen of shoes. <gasps> Finally, my dominion of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yo, yo, can I be like prince of shoes? I mean, I'm wearing my Thor Adidas like today. Duke yes. of shoes. Duke of shoes. I'm with it. Yes. Sounds like a plan. You get nothing, Persia. Oh, peasant Persia. <laughs> <laughs> Our face in hands. Uh, appropriate. <laughs> and we got big video game news because there's a new trailer for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, which launches on July 19th for Nintendo Switch. In the trailer, we see a Magneto, Psylocke, Nightcrawler, Scarlet Witch, Deadpool, and more. Mua 3 got mutants, y'all! For more information, visit Marvel.com and MarvelUltimateAlliance3.Nintendo.com. The trailer's dope. Before we move on, uh, some of you may have noticed there's an extra episode on the This Week in Marvel feed this week, and that is a special celebration and remembrance of colorist Justin Ponsor. Nick Lowe and I sat down to talk about Justin, uh, who passed away on May 18th, uh, and we'll be doing a bunch of celebrations around Justin and his life and his career on Marvel.com. Uh, I want to give a quick TWIM URC reminder, uh, so which is our This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. CB Sapolsky and I go through a bunch of 80s comics. That episode is out. Uh, we're going to be figuring out the 90s. I think the 90s is going to be thwip, 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 some Spidey stuff, yes. which is really cool. Clones. Yeah, we're going to have to talk Send about Send in the clones. Oh. Send in the clones. That was as many notes as we can see. Yeah, legally. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah that, thank you, Mr. Sondheim and your estate. <laughs> uh, we, we, yeah, well, I think... 
most importantly talking about like Todd McFarlane's art, Eric Larson's yes. art, Mark Bagley's art, and, and so much more and things that happened in the 90s. That was the card era, boy. That was, I mean, I had yeah. all the cards. You just had, we just had like uh, binders and binders of like Marvel cards and go to school and not pay attention to anything yeah. except for the cards or when the um, the Secret Wars action figures came out and we like lost our minds because if you could find the Wolverine with the actual silver um, claws. Not the black claws. Not the black claws. <laughs> and also the black Spider-Man. Sorry, I can go for this all day. I had all the action figures and my brother destroyed them, but that's a <gasps> whole different thing of therapy. Ooh. One of my friends uh, who's moving actually out to L.A. as all actors do, it seems, <laughs> yes. um, offered me. He was like, would you be interested in my binder of Marvel cards? <laughs> and I was like, I know some people who will murder for those. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. yes. So I'm going to try to get my hands on them. I'll, I'll oh. let you know. Oh, Please. my God. That's so cool. Uh, years ago, I brought my binders in and made interns scan all the cards. I still have the scans. I share them. Brilliant. Yeah. That's a good use of interns uh, in 2007. <laughs> I Look, in one summer, I had four interns. You are important. Me. Just it you? It was wild. Those are the days. Anyway, let's keep this train rolling <laughs> as we get into this week in Marvel history. Now, we are looking at the week of May 24th through May 30th across our 80 years. I want to start things off back in May 25th, 1949, because Barry Windsor Smith was born. And BWS is one of the most influential artists, uh, someone... I use this term a lot, especially on Marvel's Apollos, as an artist's artist. It's someone that I know our writers and our artists look at for the way to do comics at its highest level. Uh, and, and our fans love him, too. But he is someone you just when you talk to a creator about his work, they just light up. I wanted to throw some highlights out there. The first two years of the original Conan the Barbarian comics in the 70s, he goes he, not every issue from 1 through 24, but most of them. He probably misses like two, three. Iron Man 232, which is uh, the post-Armor Wars issue, which is bonkers and gorgeous and weird. The 1984 Machine Man series where he does a lot of finishes on Herb. I think it's Herb Trimp's art, uh, but it is wild. And it's the, la the last issue he does himself. And it's got Iron Man 2020 with the, the, the gear armor, oh, uh, which yeah. is oh, one of the cool. coolest designs ever. Uh, that's a really, really neat story. The original Weapon X story, of wow. course. Oh, oh. Yeah. iconic. Yeah, wrote yeah. and drew that, uh, which was serialized in Marvel Comics Presents 72 through 84. And then uh, his issues of Uncanny X-Men, 186, 198, 205, and 214. Uh, that's just a sampling. His Marvel stuff it's not a huge swath, but it's so great. Then there's May 26, 1954. Outlaw Kid number one introduces the Outlaw Kid, a second tier Marvel Western hero. But the stories were drawn by Doug Wildly, the creator of Johnny Quest, which I love. Wildly would later go on to do tons of work for Hanna-Barbera, including the 1970s Godzilla cartoon. Yeah, I mean, this is, that's why I made it in here. Yeah, I'll be real. That's kind of awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm very excited about this next one. May 27th, 1975, Moon Knight debuts in Werewolf by Night, number 32, because obviously if you have a guy who turns into a werewolf, who's going to be his enemy? <laughs> a Moon Knight. <laughs> I love it. I just love it. It's like the Spider-Man villains. It's like Dr. Octopus. Like Octopus Doug, has eight, eight legs, so here <laughs> yes. we go. Um, it's by Doug Monk and Don Perlin. Mooney is obviously a fascinating character and deeply troubled um, yes. <laughs> yes. in later years. Yes. 
oh, that the recent stuff is yeah gruesome and awesome. Spoiler alert. This issue has none of that. It's, none of that. It is mostly Moon Knight just punching man, uh, werewolf by night in the face. And it's like super tropey, like old school, like 100%. bad guy punchy comics. Yeah. And then he takes him to his moon copter. He like t- ties <laughs> Not him. the moon copter. Whoever Thanos copter, there's a moon copter in town. I mean, it's not the moon copter there, but he does have a moon copter That's later kind on. of amazing. It's so good. Um, May 29th, 1990, the Raging Cajun Gambit makes a cameo appearance in Uncanny X-Men Annual 14, a week before his full appearance in Uncanny X-Men 266. I love Gambit. That's so cool. What? What's your problem with which, Gambit? Yeah, which is just, I bet he smells like gumbo. What? He probably smells like gumbo, don't you think? I love the smell of gumbo. That'd be cool. I would like that. I've thought about I'm it. Huge. Yeah, I love gumbo. <laughs> Come on. No. I mean, okay. Gambit's a character who actually took something from your science class that you could, like, talk about with your friends. Like, don't get me wrong. Wolverine's amazing, and the other X-Men are amazing. But, like, to take kinetic energy and turn it into, you know, potential energy. Like, you read it and went, oh, my God, I read about this in science. I know what this means. It's really cool. You know, power is great. He is lecherous. He's a part of the assassins. Come on, come on. We'll agree to disagree. Don't hate the player, hate Hate the the game. game. Well, the game here, I wanted to include this because it has one of my favorite comic book things, is a cameo appearance by a character before they show up, like, for real. And this, it's so weird because Gambit is a part of the team and he's showing up and he's, like, hanging out with everybody. He's not named. He has no dialogue. He doesn't do a damn thing. It is, I was trying, I was rereading, I was like, there's got to be some explanation. Nope. He just shows up and you're all like, who's this fool? And the next week you get his actual like start of the Gambit stuff. Someone said, I have to put this trench coat in this shot. We will explain it next week. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Somebody loves drawing a trench coat. Um, That's probably true. It reminds me of every book note I've ever gotten, which is like, why did that happen? And I'm like, I would love to know. Never explained in this run. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, so much of that. Uh, May 26, 2004, a couple things here. Astonishing X-Men number one by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy is released. The issue uh, brings in a ton of fans because, you know, Joss Joss Whedon. Whedon. Uh, But it once again reinvigorates long-term X-Men fans and uh, cements itself as one of the seminal moments in X-Men history. I think in Kitty Pride history. Yeah, oh, such a good run of Kitty. Like, it's like my favorite there. Kitty story, I think, besides her, you're a prude jerk, Professor X, or whatever. <laughs> a prude jerk? A, I, I just have a, a mush mouth, but yeah. Oh. He's I also like prude. if she called him a prude. You prude. Because <laughs> he's, he's kind of a weird perv, and I do not like it. <laughs> Professor X is, I'm, I'm not a Professor X Listen, guy. Listen, for a while, he overplucked his eyebrows, and that's like was a stylistic choice. Yeah. Yes. Whatever. He does what he does. Uh, he had like a high arch yeah. for a while. I would. I was reading a bunch of the the Phoenix comics that we were going to be talking about, and one of them takes place shortly after Astonishing starts, and it's Kitty's voice from that period. It's so good. Mm. And then it started making me think about the issue where she finds Colossus. He's like, oh, is it over? Am I finally dead? And he falls to his knees, and he's he's like, I'm finally, I, I see you, Kitty. And she's she sees her dead boyfriend, like oh. everything just nails it. John nails it. That, that issue's so good. Also, yeah. remember when they hooked up and then she fell through the floor? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that I do. 
this, this, we can't do this. But those conversations which you had with your nerdy, and I do mean your nerdy girl and guy friends about comic love moments, you're just like, the things that you could do in the wrong places with the wrong powers, and Kitty Pride was one of them. <laughs> can't kiss her against the wall. Oh. Gone. <laughs> uh, all right, one more thing for that week. Daisy Johnson's first appearance is in the pages of Secret War, number two, by Brian Michael Bendis and Gabrielle Del Lotto. This is a really gnarly story. Great character designs. The art is wild. Also, what? she looks so much like Angelina Jolie. Oh, yeah. In yeah, those yeah, early young, issues? A young, a young Ange- uh, yeah, like a hacker's era. Yeah. Angelina Jolie. With, like, yeah. the crop cut and everything. Oh, yeah. I remember. Finally, May 27, 2016, X-Men Apocalypse debuts in theaters, uh, which seems appropriate. We are talking about a lot of X-Men stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think we'll be talking about more X-Men stuff in the coming weeks. Yes. But not right this second. I want to talk <laughs> about the top books from this week's episode of Marvel's The Pullist include Miles Morales, Spider-Man number six, Runaways number 21, Shuri number eight, and War of the Realms, Strike Force: The Land of Giants number one. Jodenheim? <laughs> Jodenheim? Is that the land of giants that, these days? That is. It's actually New Jordanheim, which is technically Florida, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> which I have so many questions like, why Florida? I just love it's like your your parents go there to retire. <laughs> right. And that's like where fro- that's why they're winter birds. They go south to Florida for the winter. Oh, oh my God. We needed this perspective on the polos, but make sure you're subscribed to Marvel's The Polos wherever you get your podcasts and watch video versions on Marvel.com. All right, we got to move on and get into our big talk this week, which is specifically about Jean Grey as the Phoenix. It is starting with X-Men number 100. Uh, I specifically say 100 because I think our trades, our collections start at 101 when you start talking about Phoenix stuff. But 100 is a wild issue because it's the X-Men versus robot versions of the other X-Men, these like special Sentinels. And they're the, but they're also in the costumes of the original uncanny, like blue and yellow with where everybody's wearing a cowl (laughs) style. Yeah. And they're on a spaceship and everything. But the end of the issue Everything has gone wrong. The team is about to, like, every, no one can pilot the ship. Jean, because she's the greatest, says, all right, I'm going to telepathically understand how to pilot a spaceship. <laughs> Does that in one minute. Then Cyclops is like, no, no, no. She knocks him out because she's like, son, sit down. I'm going to do this. I'm going to sacrifice everything. This happens, and it's so great. And I love that moment with Storm, too, where Storm is like, you got to do you, boo. Goodbye. (laughs) And she's like, tell Scott I love him. Yeah. And that's it. So 100 ends with their spaceship in a bad way, and Jean is sort of like overcome by cosmic radiation. And in 101, you follow up. Right after that, they crash. She, You see her, that she's been bombarded by the radiation, But everybody's alive. She saves everyone. That's sort of a big theme for, as I was reading this, I was seeing that like Jean Grey saves everyone. Jean Grey sacrifices herself. Like the biggest hero things that you could possibly ask for continuously come from Jean Grey. But then she rises from the water and she says, hear me, X-Men. No longer am I the woman you knew. I am fire and life incarnate. Now and forever, I am Phoenix. 
Honestly, I feel like sometimes I want to go into like a business meeting and yeah. just be like, I am the, <laughs> I am fire. I'll work on it. Oh, it's so good. It is a, like a really super metal moment. So I'm glad you captured it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's way. so great. So epic. So iconic. And over the course of the next couple of issues, you know, the, the team is off doing stuff. They battle Black Tom and Juggernaut and, you know, Fire Lord, Eric the Red, all these people. Jean's recuperating. And I got... Like wild at this because she shares an apartment in Greenwich Village mm-hmm. with Misty Knight and it has it's beautiful. It's two <laughs> floors, open concept. It's like Doctor Strange's house. It's yeah. like it's like a brown she has a whole brownstone. But they call it a just a fifth floor walk up. Literally they call it a fifth floor walk up and I was like, what they have all five floors. Yeah. And they own it all. It was fascinating to me. And they were just like well, we couldn't afford it on our own, so we thought, why don't we rooming together? So it's yeah. like TV rules. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, <laughs> precisely. Jean fully phoenixes up for the first time in Uncanny X Men 105. She goes head to head and wipes the floor with Fire Lord. Fire Lord being a former oh, Herald yeah. of Galactus, uh, and I think that's an important thing to like that shows her level of power. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and how <laughs> dangerous she can be, which is a smart thing to do that early on. Things get wild and then cosmic. Jean saves all of reality. Not just every X-Men. She saves all of reality with the power of the Phoenix in issue 108. That's also the first issue with art by John Byrne and Terry Austin. The previous issues have been by Dave Cockrum. There's a really funny moment at the end. I think it's at the end or at the beginning of 108 where it says, thanks and dedication to Dave Cockrum. You were so amazing. You're so helpful, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, editor's note from Dave, I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's really sweet. It's really funny. But the, yeah, the, the 108 has, she's like in the McCran crystal. Which becomes like such a huge part of the whole Phoenix story because they're in the White Hot Room. White Hot Room. Which sounds like it's the club, but it's not the club. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of action does go down there. Yeah. Yeah. The White Hot Room comes back over and over again. Over and over again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So now we're looking at 109 through 128, which is November 1977 through September 1979. And if I haven't said it yet, this is all all so far written by Chris Claremont. Um, So, you know, of course... Jean does not go dark right away. That is not what happens. The X-Men have adventures. Jean comes to grips with her powers over the course of, you know, the, these two years. It's a, a build. It's a huge build. Uh, there's a great quote in here, which will keep coming back up. It's, quote, her power is a song within her, filling her with a primal glory, an unhuman joy that she's beginning to enjoy more and more. But things take a big turn in Uncanny 122 when Jean runs into, literally, she's holding packages mm-hmm. and she runs into Jason Wingard, a.k.a. Mastermind. But his power is to make you see things. So he makes everyone see him as this, like, dashing, handsome, yes. mutton-chopped man of the early 80s. But I love that that panel where you first really get a good look at his face. And in the shadow, you see this kind of, like, crinklier ickier looking shadow and then you see this handsome man in front of the shadow and it's so telling i had the card we talked about the cards the 1980 cards i remember having the card of mastermind just because it was just a cool power to be able to make you look the way you wanted to look or make someone else think something else i was like that is a cool power that makes me sound really manipulative yeah scratch that (laughs) no never no don't tell no one about this (laughs) 
Uh, also, what I found great in this issue was Colleen Wing gives Cyclops a key to her apartment. Yeah, she does. <laughs> I know. I love that she like tapes it in a note. Like, yeah. if you're in New York, wink. <laughs> Can we get a fui fui? Fui fui fui. I bring un- my own dance. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. In Uncanny X Men 125, we start to get a sense of of actually how dangerous Gene is and will be. All the while, Mastermind is continuously messing with Gene's mind and his, her sense of reality. He's basically just chipping away at who she is. It is so upsetting when you think of like the violation that he is doing to her. It is horrifying. It's classic sort of gaslighting, warping of reality. Yeah, yeah. it's messed it's up. It's really messed up. He's uh, a Kilgrave-esque well, yeah, figure, yeah, really. W- without question. So then we get into Uncanny X-Men 129 through 137. This is what we collect as the Dark Phoenix saga. Uh, it's October 1979 through June 1980. It's the, you know, so if you skip all the other issues, this is where you can jump right in. Uh, it is excellent. So Wingard, he's been twisting Jean's, you know, vision of reality. What he does is he makes her see, think, and feel as though she's in the 18th century. Ugh. Which is honestly really awesome i i like love this i just love this because like the sort of going back and warping of reality and making her i don't know it there's something about it like being a younger woman reading this where you're like what a fantasy land to get to be a part of it's like the labyrinth when he's like come to my crazy labyrinth and that's my david (laughs) (laughs) it was spot on i thought he was here with us great wow Uh, yeah you're welcome world the it's interesting because she she thinks she's have like her power is making her jump into her her like ancestors ancestors yeah. life. So she just thinks this she's replaying something that happened 200 years ago, not realizing she is being completely messed with. Uh, we also in 129 we see that Wingard is working with the Hellfire Club, who have also tapped Cerebro, oh, so that they are that. like it's diabolical. Also, Cerebro is what I call my cell phone. So it's like if you get an email from my cell phone, it says sent from Cerebro. <laughs> so whenever I see it, I think of my cell phone. Nice. And I was like, it was cool. sent. I, they tapped my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 130, uh, Skivat Wingard uh, physically attacks Jean in a disco, uh, like goes up to her and starts like making out on her. And she's just like swept up in it. She sees that oh. this 18th century vision. She thinks she's marrying him and becoming the Black Queen. So you get the first ver- vision of her in that, you know, S&M outfit. She's oh. all into it. And also, it, like, lays the way for Madeline Pryor in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. Yep. S- sell your kids to the devil, <laughs> Madeline Pryor. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> That's Madeline Pryor for sell you. Sell your kids to the devil. Oh my That's God. why you can't trust a clone. No. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so they, you know, Gene, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Dazzler, they're going to rescue the Kitty Pride who'd just been introduced. She's being held yeah, by the Hellfire baby Club. Kitty. Baby Kitty. Yeah. They go to rescue the, they go to reunite the team together at Emma Frost Compound and Gene unleashes the Phoenix's powers against Emma. Of with, course. Yeah. And the quote here, I, I grabbed this one, is, her power is a song within her, a passion beyond human comprehension. She is more alive than she has ever been as she smashes through the White Queen's psychic defenses with contemptuous ease. Yeah, kick yeah. her butt. I hate the White Queen. Get out of here, Emma Frost. You're a jerk. Jean Grey forever. Boo, White Queen. <laughs> 
Sorry, I have really strong feelings about is, is, is this because Is this because of Scott? It goes beyond that. Okay. She's just a jerk. So <laughs> she's, I have very passionate feelings. I, after we did a, an, an Emma Frost deep dive a couple months ago, and I really like began to love Emma a lot more because of that and looking at her larger story. But this made me love Jean's larger story. And I could see, but I'm happy with them both. I, we, I think we, there's a world where they're both wonderful. I think there's a world where your answer could be right. It's just not this one. <laughs> you have strong feelings with Emma Frost. I have strong feelings with Scott. I just, yeah, Scott sucks. Woo! Ugh, thank yeah, you. And honestly, Emma can have Scott because yeah, they can both saying. go. I mean, you guys are, oh, he's a horrible person. Gene, Gene Wolverine forever. Yes. When you yeah. get into the Madeline stuff, then you're just like, oh, Scott, you suck. Oh, he's, I'm so, I'm not over it. I'm like mad at him for sure. <laughs> all right, this is not okay. about Scott. This is about Gene as the Phoenix. Um, uh, it all falls apart a little bit later when Scott and Gene try to infiltrate the Hellfire Club because that's when Mastermind fully puts his fingers into her brain and takes control over Gene. And Hellfire Club captures X-Men Aside from Wolverine, it's, it leads with a classic, you know, Wolverine getting smashed through the layers. He ends up in the sewer. That final page of Wolverine, claws popped. Yeah. Like, now it's my turn. Yeah. Whew, iconic. But we're not here to talk about him. Uh, but 134, that's when hell breaks loose in, in this fight. It's a huge, awesome fight. The lights go out. The X-Men are freed. Everything's fine. You get to this moment. It's one of my favorite moments in this whole run. Gene and Wingard. They're all alone. They're in the dark. Quote, she stands motionless, a shadow among shadows, feeling dark fire consume her soul. Her face is supernaturally calm. Her face lies. Jean Grey is terrified, more afraid now than she's ever been because she knows what is happening to her and she cannot stop it. I'm like, Mm. yes, do it. I was like, (laughs) rip him apart. And she does so much worse. She lets loose. She gets all the answers about what's going on. She ignores his cries for mercy fully, which I'm on board for. She gives him uh, like this glimpse into the like infiniteness of her power of of everything, Ugh. and you get like you see the stars and you see his his whole like perception of reality break him. It is so satisfying. <laughs> she destroys his mind. is one of my favorite sequences in comics. He deserves that and so much more. I love a good revenge story. Yeah. Unfortunately, everything that has been done to Jean and her getting pushed to this extent, her rage unleashes the Dark Phoenix. So the ending of 134 is really cool because it mirrors Jean's rebirth in 101. Lots of swirlies. Yeah, (laughs) but it's like her coming out of the water, her Mm -hmm. rising up, but her costume has changed. She is the color scheme, which... Simple, elegant, amazing, you know, goes from green and, and yellow to the yeah, red and yes, yellow. Yeah. Dark Phoenix is here. 135 opens with Gene destroying the X-Men in their plane. <laughs> uh, sending the whole team across Central Park. She picks them apart easily. She's basically scraping her past away. And I was look I was reading this the other day, and then I for some reason I got stuck in my head the quote from Star Wars, let the past die. Burn it if you must or Whatever that quote is. But I was like, that is, Jean is like trying to burn it all away. She blazes into this massive firebird, engulfs the sky, flies off into space. She is so powerful. She opens a space-time gateway in space and just like goes into other galaxies. And she consumes a star for power. She eats a whole star. Oh, that's so cool. And with it... (laughs) 
Five uh, billion, billion people, people are killed. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's like, too, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, this is so awesome. She's getting her revenge. This is so great. Oh, no, I can't turn it off. Oh, no. Yeah, she, yeah. Like, it, it starts to feel like, oh, no, our gene, you know? Yeah. Like you were saying how a character's canon, it feels like it is forever. And you're like, no, not Jean. Not yeah. our baby Jean. No. But this is... It's such a good story. It's, yeah, it's such so a good. good. Story. Uh, one thirty six opens with one of those most fi- most iconic Phoenix images by John Byrne, Terry Austin, and colorist Glennis Ween. The cosmic Phoenix about to consume the star. It's just a splash page to show you this is what's going on right now, y'all. Yeah. Welcome aboard. The Shi'ar realize that they got to destroy the Phoenix for the safety of the universe. She just destroyed five billion of the their subjects. So she then goes back to Earth regrets her decision as she struggles with the dark phoenix she like goes home she freaks out her family because she's just like (laughs) and they're like cool are you are you you okay okay? (laughs) Uh, she's like yes go back to bed dad um the x-men show up (laughs) they try to help her they try to subdue her wolverine comes really close claws popped i remember this i remember this yeah and she asks him to kill her like there's that quick moment where gene you, her face changes everything and she's like just do it and he's like Gene and then he's too slow it's a sadder version of the Simpsons guy with the hiccups for so long that he keeps saying kill me <laughs> <laughs> but you know <laughs> I know exactly I know exactly what you're talking about oh oh that's good kill me oh man uh, <laughs> the uh, Cyclops then uses the power of love not uh. the last time it will be used he uses the power of love to battle Dark Phoenix, and he may have succeeded if not for that dingus Professor X. <laughs> that fool. He shows up with those eyebrows. Yeah, he's just like, huh, 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 flashing those eyebrows. He nearly screws the pooch. It is this really great psychic battle between Xavier, who is secretly helped by Gene's subconscious in this, the two of them against Dark Phoenix, with a happy ending that is immediately dashed when the X-Men are zapped away from the Earth. And then 137 is the beginning of the end as the X-Men find themselves transported. They're now on the moon. Uh, They're not on the moon yet. They're in a Shi'ar uh, ship. Mm -hmm. The Shi'ar have taken them. The Phoenix, who is now just Jean Grey, is to be punished for her crimes. So the professor, he's like, "Uh, uh, we have to fight you. And the rest of them are like, do we get a say in any of this? Like, we would do it, but like, talk to us first, jerk. It's I and like maybe it. they're not super wrong about this. Remember those five billion people? Five billion people. people. Yeah. Think about that. You know, so there's this duel with the X-Men versus the Imperial Guard of Shi'ar. It goes poorly for the X-Men. Yep. They are uh, the Shi'ar are a bunch of warriors. Yeah, yeah, and it's overwhelming odds. But you get this great moment, hand in hand, Cyclops and Jean Grey fighting. To, it's, it is really nice. It's a beautiful nice. moment. Like, it is nice. They, they, like, they realize like this is the end and they hold hands and they go out for a blaze of glory. But Cyclops, he gets knocked down first because he's Cyclops. he sucks and he's Cyclops. Yeah. And then the Phoenix <laughs> rises. She's so angry about seeing this. Rises again. She realizes though she's gone too far. Mm-hmm. She's hurt too many. She needs to be stopped. And the only one who could do it is herself. And she says goodbye to Scott. I love you, Scott. A part of me will always be with you. Boom. She, oh. This, when I read this, I was so mad. I was like, who, I was not alive for this, I don't think. Oh, wait, maybe I was. I don't know. TV you damn that. Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah. I read it when I was old enough to read. Um, 
<laughs> Which was why not you, these days. You're saying it like that. That's so great. I don't know what's going why on. Why didn't you read it in the weekly trades or in the weekly issues? Because I couldn't read yet. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm just. But I, w- I was like, who do I message about this to get a retcon? Well, I was so mad about it. Fascinating that you say that because in 1984, we released Phoenix, the untold story. It is a couple years later, but it offers a different ending to the story, one that they originally wanted. Claremont, mm. Byrne, Austin, the whole team wanted this one. They actually wrote and drew a different version of 137. And in this wow. story, the X-Men are just defeated. they mm. not killed. They're just defeated by the Imperial Guard. So they lose the duel. They have to surrender Jean. That's the rules of engagement. Right. Yes. Jean is then stripped of all her powers and maybe more. And it is, having read it, it is horrifying on another level. They basically lobotomize her. It uh, is. She's human. She's she's human. She has n- n- not even mutant, mutant powers. powers yeah. They take everything. They take so much of who she is away. But she's alive. Yeah. So y- she still lives at the end of the story. But is she living? Right. She, yeah. Uh, it's brutal. And then while 138, as comics go, opens with her funeral, the 138 that they started on opens with her and Scott at a lake like living and it is oh. it is devastating so that there it, was is there what what was the reason for the change what was the reason for editorial it? like i think the editor in chief at the time it might have been Jim Shooter i believe he just he he said that she killed 5 billion people she had like there's she no way for that character somehow. to go on it's going to be a blaze of glory yeah and and how would she have felt going on uh, knowing what she had inadvertently done. Gotcha. You know, there's okay. a lot of, uh, yeah. so much back and forth that could be done for this. But October 1985, we actually have to go to Fantastic Four 286. This one is by John Byrne, Terry Austin, Glennis Oliver, same uh, artistic team. Now John is also writing. Uh, this ties into Avengers 263 because the Avengers have found a pod in the waters around New York City. The Fantastic Four coming to help figure out what's going on. It opens and boop. Out pops Jean Grey, oh. but it's Jean in the same exact outfit from the spaceship when uh, from X-Men 100-101. You have to remember, this is not that long after. Yeah. It's not like Jean has been gone for decades. Mm-hmm. This is four or five years later. Um, what is explained is, you know, Jean, she struggles. She's freaking out. She's like, what, what's happening? Where am I? Blah, blah, blah. But it seems that in the original X-Men 100-101 story, Jean called out for help. And her call was answered by the Phoenix Force, the cosmic entity. The Phoenix creates a duplicate body of Jean's that it then inhabits. And Jean is dying. Jean is literally dying in this version of the story. And so it creates this duplicate version, uses her memories, her mind, her feelings, everything. Pretends to be Jean. She then, the Phoenix Force puts Jean in this cocoon, a healing cocoon, in the ship. And just like, all right, cool, you'll do what you, you do you. I'm going to do me. For the and, next couple of years. Yeah. And then the ship crashes, but instead of the cocoon like being taken by anyone, it just falls to the the bottom of the ocean because no one knew it was there. Everyone else thought she was the Phoenix was Jean and all this other stuff. It's a fascinating story that is also, if you want to get real deep into it, uh, it is classic X Men, classic X Men number eight, which was published January nineteen eighty seven. This is actually the story written by Chris Claremont of that conversation, that interaction between the Phoenix Force and Jean. It is a like a very disturbing story. Jean's body is withered and she's 
cosmic radiation just yeah. battering her, and it tells this whole tale. You get that canon story. This dives into X-Factor number one, which reunites the original X-Men. Uh, I skip ahead a little bit to X-Factor number 38, because Jean Grey battles Madeline Pryor in this issue. It's the original versus the clone. Uh, what you find out here is that the, a small portion of the Phoenix Force found its way into Madeline Pryor, sparking the clone to life, giving her some of the powers that she has. So it's, it's interesting that that same bit of the Phoenix Force is reabsorbed by Jean at the end of that fight. But Scott did ruin Madeline Pryor because he left her for Jean. Oh, yeah. And then she fully lost her mind and made a deal with the devil yeah. to get back at him. So, like, again, Scott's fault. Scott's fault. All Scott's fault. Yes. The TLDR of all of this is that Jean Grey is awesome. The Phoenix is scary but super cool. They did a lot together. They're now apart. Jean Grey saves everyone, and she dies and comes back. That's the Phoenix story. That's the Phoenix. Yeah, death and rebirth, baby. Gosh, Duggan. Yeah. That was the story. All of this will be on Marvel.com. I'm giving this to Jamie to put together as a, a story so you guys can read along. Links to all the digital comics and all that good stuff and a little bit more detail on some of these. Can't so, wait for that myself. Enjoy. All right, it's time for our interview. I talked with Chance Perdamo, who is on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, now available on Netflix. He plays Ambrose Spellman. Uh, he's, he was great. He's really sweet. He did a bunch of videos with us. He was here for a good half day. Check it out right now. So delighted to have with me behind the desk Chance Perdomo from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. How you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing today? Very, very well. Uh, I've got a perpetual nine-year-old cheese smile. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's pretty good. Uh, You know, thinking about that, thinking about Marvel, question I always ask when we kick things off is, what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first get connected to our Marvel characters, our comics, stories? Was it a cartoon? Was it like a toy? What was it for you? It was Spider-Man. Spider-Man, one hundred percent. It was uh, it was Peter Parker. Um, I just I loved his 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 arcs. You know how he, how he was like. I mean, every kind of superhero character is kind of downtrodden, but his was like a, a relatable downtrodden, right? And then I came across the Sam Raimi films, and then from there, my love of Marvel just exploded. Yeah. And then when I found out about Miles Morales, even more. Oh yeah, well we'll get, we'll get to Miles a little bit, but like, how do you? Because you're from the UK. I was born in Los Angeles, but raised okay. in the UK. Raised in the UK. Yeah. I guess where you were raised... So I talked to a lot of folks who grew up reading comics uh, or getting exposed to them. Mm. And some of them from the UK, especially older, uh, maybe my age or a little bit older, mm. like comics were distributed in really weird ways. And like there were old magazines and you might get stories that were months and months old and really interesting stuff. But I, I guess for you, comics were coming regularly. Was yeah. it comics that first got Yeah, I, I was reading comics... Um, Online, so it's kind of when like just after you know we had dial-up internet, or whatever. Yeah. So it was like so I remember like the big computer screens or not, and that, that <laughs> that's my claim to like age. I'm 22, um, but <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I'd always read the comics online, great, uh, wherever I could, wherever they were freely available. Yeah, we um, we used to put up a ton of free books, which yeah. was really helpful. I remember. I'm aging myself, but I remember being in college and like getting back into comics because Marvel was putting them up on the internet. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned Spider-Man, Miles. Who are some of your other favorite Marvel characters? We have uh, until we, only only when the cinematic universe came out, mm -hmm. uh, Captain America. Uh, it was Iron Man. It was uh, it was. I almost said Batman. Oh my god! Of course not. <laughs> like 
Two minutes ah! in. How dare you come into my house and no. say that name? All right. Well, well, the first superhero that I ever that I ever kind of looked up to was Batman. Yeah. So that he had special place in my heart. Of course. But Marvel was Iron Man, Captain America, and Spider Man. Spider Man yeah. was like the, the the biggest. Sure. Um, I only found out like Black Panther until you know much later. Because of the movies, or no, was it the, like a comic there thing was, or the, cartoon? The, there was a time during um uh, that you know, I, was, I was doing history right, and then, and then during the time of the Black Panthers that he had they got his name changed uh, briefly. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Like, like black something else. It, it, yeah, I, I, and it's he, a weird situation. Yeah. And then he got changed the year like a year later on. And so, so I came across that, and that's when I first saw Black Panther. And then I started reading a little bit, and then the movies come out, and I'm like, okay, dope. <laughs> yeah. And then Miles. I mean, Miles seems to be like this character that touches everyone. I've seen like little yeah. kids at conventions dressing up as Miles. Go to Disney theme parks and there's like miles around. It's amazing. It's like yeah, because because uh, before like so many of the main superheroes or whatever they 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 were just big hulking white dudes and it's like great. I mean yeah, amazing right whatever. But at the same time it's you don't feel subconsciously represented as such right. You don't you don't you don't, there's I can't really fathom or, or be able to speak what the return on that investment is to to know like wow he looks like me. I can be that. Oh my goodness, the the, the connection. So yeah, I a hundred percent is gonna yeah. be overwhelming the uh, the reception to that line in Into the Spider Verse where Stanley's like anyone can wear exactly. a mask. Like that whole concept. Then that's something that we've has been so important to Spider Man over time. That is why he's been so popular. But now actually everybody can see whether it's Miles Morales mm. or you know Spider Gwen is so important for young girls like. She means so much. It's the principles of what make what makes a hero or heroine, and that is what is behind the mask. Not one person. It is it is the principles behind doing what is right and what your heart believes in. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's pretty cool. Amen. Uh, I saw on your Instagram you had a great uh, image. It was uh, you side by side with Miles Morales. Yeah. And, but my favorite part of it was you didn't just ha you didn't have like a Miles Morales quote or anything else. It was a, a Thanos quote that said, dread it, run from it. Destiny still yeah. arrives. That is so nerdy. I love that. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Because I was, uh, I've, I've been, before I even like started acting professionally or whatnot, right? I, I was, I was so into the Miles Morales character and Spider-Man that I was doing, uh, I just started free running. I was like, one day I want to play this character, one day. And I just kind of just started started doing free running. And then a year or two later when someone put, they, they made the edit. And then when I see that online, I was just like, oh my God, the universe. <laughs> I love that. Do you still do the free running? Can you still do the free running? Um, when I'm working, of course not. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. You play Ambrose. What's going on in the story right now for the character? Like it's been, Ambrose, he's out, right? Yeah, Ambrose is out of the. Uh, he's out of, of of his. Oh, I guess he's in a probationary period, right? Sure. And uh, he will no longer spontaneously combust if he leaves the Spellman premises. But he's been in prison for seventy five years, right? That is that is a lifetime. That is literal lifetime. Some people used to you know be in prison for life, come out not knowing what a car was and seeing cars everywhere. This is kind of like that for him. He's. Uh, He's having to reconcile bits of his past and think, who am I in this new world moving forward? Yeah. And he gets into a lot of deep doo-doo. <laughs> well done. PG Plus. You, you nailed it. <laughs> Amen. How old is he? Do we, have you guys addressed that on he's the show? He's in his 90s. He's 90s? 90s. He was quite young when he was in prison. Yeah. So I, I find that really interesting because for you, is there anything specific you think about when playing a character who has lived that long and is still, like, young? I try to get through all those kind of questions about characters by just finding what drives them, 
and like you know because emotions are universal you don't have to, i don't have to understand your circumstance and and your life to be able to feel and connect with you and understand and mm -hmm. understand where you're coming from even if i haven't had the experience so you know i try to connect with the character emotionally and that really helps because it's it's about him being old in the eyes but young in the body and how to make his wisdom come across but not make it seem precocious right that it's like you believe this dude's old um it's, it's definitely one of the most satisfying challenges yeah, yeah very much so that's cool so you, you know comics you obviously know live action clearly know your video games like do you have a, a preferred method of ingesting the marvel universe i wasn't well now because of my family my little brother specifically we uh we we watch every single marvel movie together as it comes out that's like our little thing like oliver i see what's up uh, that's our way of connecting but we missed we missed um we missed captain marvel and we also missed uh infinity war together oh no wait no yeah i watched infinity war again because i needed to watch it with okay. him but captain marvel we missed you went to the premiere Yes. Oh, uh, so, so you couldn't take it to the premiere? No, I couldn't. Really? I could, I, That's I how it went? That's exactly what he said. He was yeah. like, he was like, dude, for real? I'm like, if I had a plus one, sure, but I was the plus one, so I could, <laughs> plus one, plus one, right? Um, uh, so we did, I did go to take him to see it afterwards, but it was only like a week ago, and he sure. was like, all right, all right, fine. Uh, all right, so do you talk with anybody else who's on the show, on the production about comics, superheroes, sort of the, the geekdom I know, showrunner, Roberto Aguirre Casa. Mm -hmm. Big, you know, comic book fan, storyteller, has written Marvel Comics aplenty. Uh, he's a wonderful dude. Mm. You talk to him or anybody else? I've gotten Tati Gabrielle into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Marvel Universe as a whole recently. Uh, she was she was kind of kind of into it, but was like, yeah, whatever. But I was like, no. And I took a, I got, <laughs> went onto YouTube and I showed her all of these um these these edits. Whereas like one of my favorite one, I forgot who it's by, but it says uh its title is just I Am Iron Man. And it's about you know Iron Man's trajectory in his arc, and it gets clips from every movie put together into this beautiful you know heart wrenching tale, right? And it ends with I am Iron Man. I was like, just watch this. And then I started talking about the you know, the lore, and I talked about uh, the, how can you talk about any Marvel lore, right? And just stop, right? It goes on forever with all the different uh, universes and cross stories. So I was just I, I went light with the YouTube videos, and then. Now she's getting into it. Well done. Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. 8,000 characters. You got. You still got plenty of work ahead of you. And <laughs> you I, your eyes went, oh no, so many characters. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, we're going to let you go so you can uh, go play a little bit of Marvel's Spider-Man. Have you played the game much? I'm not. Oh I'm boy. Not. Oh boy. I'm not. All right. Chance, thank you so much for being on This Week in Marvel. Thank you for having me. Okay, big thanks to Chance for coming by Marvel HQ and talking to us uh, for the podcast and so much more. Before we get into our community section, our question of the week this episode is, what is your favorite Jean Grey as Phoenix moment? There's a lot there. There's so many good bits and pieces. I'm going to go with the white hot dance party in the Macron Crystal bow, bow, when bow, she's bow, in there bow, and bow. all the X-Men are fighting and the Shiar are there and she's like, bah! just like that. that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with that, that really sad moment of her telling, you know, Wolverine, kill me and it you know all should have worked out. And then Scott came in with love and then Professor X messed it all up. Yeah. It's always Fair. a fun moment. Oh, wait, I want a second one. Can it also be when she's just like dust? Like when she's like, I got to burn myself. And then she, it's like three specks of dust. It's so disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. and I, mine will be her taking it to Jason Wingard. Oof. Yeah. yeah. She's fire and life incarnate. She's so cool. 
All right, we've got some tweets up in here. Remember, you can tweet us using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email your questions, comments, and thoughts to twinpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. First one on the Twitter comes from our pal Amanda. She says, I don't know too much about 1980s comics, but the Zodiac uniforms, regular and LMD, from West Coast Avengers number 26 are really iconic. Nice. Very Love cool. it. Very yes. It. Into it. Uh, Super Sound says, it was super fun listening to the 80s episode of TWIM at All of Us, folks. I share your truth about Cyclops. I can't believe his ultimate move in Strike Force boils down to being <laughs> angsty. <laughs> this is so on brand for Scott. I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> he just screams, no! Yeah. I mean, you know, he's powerful. Yeah. But. Whatever. Angsty. Angsty. Well, he has to wear sunglasses all the time, so he has to just like be angsty. He's so yeah. cool. Uh, the Tech Lord, uh, hashtag uh, This Week in Marvel, twim of the week for last week is Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man's number six. You can guess where it was going, but it, was, but it still was pulled off very well. That's our spider bite story, which uh, made me want to punch Tom Taylor in the <laughs> face because it was so good <laughs> and so heartbreaking. Uh, great comics, great stuff. So that's it. That's our first This Week in Marvel with this trio. And I, I will say, it'll be a mix. Sometimes yes. it'll be me and James, me and Lorraine, the two James and Lorraine. It could be yeah, any of us. Yeah, we can hang out without you. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we yeah. can do that. I, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and just learn from Lorraine. And I, I'm going to sit back and learn from James. Uh, James, where can fans find you on, on social media? Uh, they can find me at uh, James M. Iglehart on Twitter. And they can find me at J.M.I. Iglehart on Instagram. Lorraine? At Lorraine Sink everywhere on Earth's Mightiest Show, This Week in Marvel, and the Marvel Minute all the time. Yeah, and I'm Agent M on the Twitter and the Instagram, uh, also Marvel's The Pull List, sometimes Earth's Mightiest Show, uh, all the time, This Week in Marvel, and so much more, which we're going to talk about next week. That's a tease. Secrets. Wow. Secrets. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And I'm James. And this is Marvel. Your universe. Universe.